can we do one more thing? Can we give the worship team that worked so hard to lead us into worship? And I want you guys to know that they work really, really hard. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, for doing that. And a lot of those songs that we sing, we're going through the series called Verses You Can't Live Without. You know that we sing verses that we can't live without every single week? Because these, these songs are birthed out of someone that read the word and go, I have to write a song about that. I have to put it to a good beat or good, put, good, put a good melody to it, whatever it is. And that song we just sang was like at least three or four verses, four, uh, three or four truths that we can read in the Bible. And one of them is Romans 8, 28. How many guys love Romans 8, 28? How many guys know Romans 8, 28? That's a great verse. Um, it says this, and I want to read it for you. Uh, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? Isn't that a word worth celebrating? Yes. It is. And here's the thing. We gave you like two scriptures in the last couple of times. We're just focusing on this one because it's that good. And here's the thing about this one is because I've gone through trials, I've gone through tribulations, and I've been down in the dumps. And you know what I thought of? Romans 8, 28. God works everything for my good. For, the, for the, those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's brought encouragement to me. It's brought hope. Anybody with me? That you've heard this verse, you're like, oh my goodness. Here's the thing though. This verse can be misused and misunderstood sometimes. I think sometimes, and I've seen it, that this, this verse can cause confusion. It can cause frustration. Sometimes you can be angry about this verse. Why? It's because you're going through a tough time and there's a tragedy in your life and you're going, what? This thing that I went through, that's good? That's good for me? And we question God sometimes. And I've also seen this, this verse misused. I've heard Christians with good intentions Use it in the wrong way. And as Hope Chapel Kanyoe Bay, I want to teach you today how to use Romans 8.28 properly. Can we be dedicated to use Romans 8.28 in the proper way? Come on, can we be a church to do that? And that's what I want to teach you today because, like I said, this verse has brought me hope. But, I mean, let me, let me kind of paint a picture for you guys. And you guys are all part of this picture, this scenario. Imagine if you had a bad week. And I know some of you guys have had a bad week and maybe you guys were, uh, had a good week, but just imagine you had a horrible week at work, your boss was on your case, the kids are going crazy, you had a fight with your spouse, and you're just like, ah, you didn't even want to come to church today. I know all you guys looking home like, no, not me. I wake up every Sunday, I love to come to church. But there are some Sundays, come on, let's be honest, you're like, ah, I don't want to go, I don't want to go and listen to the word. Worship God, you know, and it's tough. It's tough sometimes to get up and imagine you came up and you got the kids, you finally dropped them off at the children's church and you came and you're just mad. You're still mad at your bad week. And then you see someone, you see an acquaintance, someone that you, it's your friend, but they irritate you a little bit. Come on. There's people in our lives, let's be honest, that irritate us a little bit. We have to love them in Christ. And you vent to them like, oh, man, I had a horrible week. My boss is on my case. My spa, my wife. Ah. And you're venting to them. And they say this. They look right at you and go, you know, you got to change your attitude. <laughs> Remember Romans 8, 28. For God works everything, even your bad week. And 
seriously, I don't suggest you doing this, but don't you want to punch that guy in the face? Don't you just want to go, boom? Love you. Let's go worship. Right? Sometimes I, I, it's inappropriate. There's bad timing with this verse. And I've seen well-intentioned people, Christians, use this verse inappropriately. Let me, let me get a little serious here. I mean, imagine you saying this to a non-Christian who has just lost somebody in their family or their friends, and you just throw Romans 28 at them. They have no clue uh, of how God loves them. They, they can't fathom this verse. Like, what? Are you saying that this was a good thing? That this person that I love and value died? How about someone you know, that a couple? Imagine saying this to a couple that's been trying to get pregnant for years and can't get pregnant. And you throw Romans 8.28 at them. I think that's bad timing. How about someone who's lost their job? Going through a tough time, they can't find a job. And you go, hey, come on, God's going to... There are times, is the truth still the same? Is the verse still good? I'm not saying that the verse is bad. We're the ones that inappropriately use it in bad timing. And I want us to be dedicated to go, Romans 8.28, I know what Romans 8.28 is all about. Because seriously, it's a powerful verse. And I think it has a way deeper meaning than a weak attempt at trying to comfort someone. It has way deeper meaning than that. Actually, uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans, later on in the scriptures said this verse. This is a very powerful verse. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Instead of throwing Romans 8, 28 at someone trying to comfort them, hey, here you go, take that. I would rather mourn with them. I would rather go beside them and you know what? Hey, praying for you. I'm here for you. Walk with them through the morning. Are you hearing me? That we do that instead. But how do you use Romans 8.28 properly? I have a couple of things, three things actually I want to give you guys. A piece of advice, how to, how to use Romans 8.28 um, in the proper way to apply it in the best way. And actually for your life. I think we, we sometimes read it and go, oh, what does that really mean? And I want, uh, I want you to apply it to your life properly. So here's the first thing. Know whom it's for. Know whom Romans 8.28 is for. Who's it for? Well, let's read it. You read it? But look, look at the last part of this verse. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. This verse is actually not for everybody. This is not a verse that you throw at a non-believer. Why? Because they don't understand that. They don't understand the love of God. Here, it's specifically for people who love them, love God, and are called according to His purposes. I mean, a lot of us misuse it. Why? Because we cut the second half off. Right? We just go, hey, guy. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. And we just leave it at there. But it's specifically for, one, people who love God, Two, people are called by him. And what does love God mean? It's that you love God. <laughs> Bottom line, right? That you love God, that you trust his plan for you, that you trust his ways. And I hope, I really hope that every single person, I'm looking at this crowd, this place is packed today. Amen? Awesome. I hope every single one of you just goes, I love God. I absolutely love the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did. We celebrate a communion. I mean, is that, I just love communion. Why? Because we get to show him how much we love him and remember what he did. That you just trust him. The other half, 
kind of a higher standard is that you are called according to God's purposes in your life. You're called. But here's the thing. I think Christians, I think a lot of us over-spiritualize that word called. Because when you, when you think of the word called, what do you think of? I'm guessing you probably think of me. <laughs> the called one. I'm on stage. Pastor Tom, you're on staff. You know, think of Pastor Carl. Or you might, you might even think of the ushers or the people that are serving. I think a lot of us separate. I'm just a regular Joe Schmo Christian. And then there's the called Christians. The fanatical ones that serve the Lord. Here's my, here's my thing. I think every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ is called by the Lord. You are called. You are called. I mean, think about how you came to Jesus in the first place. If you are saved here and you're a believer, you, Jesus went like this. Hey, you. Huh? Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> Talking to you. Come to me. Believe in me. Follow me. And you know what you did? Okay. You're called. You're called. But here's the thing. And for some of us, we haven't responded properly to the calling. A lot of us have to respond to it. At least say an answer. No, yes, whatever it is. There's two words in my life that I absolutely love that I've heard for 30, 40 years. Two words that I can't wait to hear from my earthly father. Anybody know my, my dad? Oh, yeah. Uncle Tom. I call him dad. Anybody ate my, my dad's food before? He's a cook. Many of you have eaten my, he's, he's cooked at the men's breakfast. He's, he's cooked for the women's breakfast too, I think. He's cooked for all of you guys. You've eaten his food. And there's two words that I have heard my whole life from my dad that I absolutely love. You hungry? That's, that's all I've heard. I mean, sometimes I go to his house. He doesn't even say hi. He just says, you hungry? You, you know what my response most of the time is? 99% of the time is, yeah, yeah, I'm hungry. When I was eight years old, you know what that meant? Vienna sausages and eggs and rice in the morning. Oh, yeah, come on. That meant something good. I mean, my, my dad still does it today. I go in the courtyard, oh, you hungry? Boom, Egg McMuffin in his hand, whatever. He just, he just, I promise you, I'm not lying. The, the guy just loves his, he pours out hospitality. He loves to cook. He's a professional cook for his whole life. That's his gifting. And that's all I've heard my whole life. And I've responded appropriately to his calling. My dad has, my dad has called me. Ding, 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 food, yes. My question to you is, how do you respond to the heavenly father's calling? Have you responded to him saying, come, Follow me. Do you have 30, 40 years of saying, yes, feed me? Because I think the Lord is saying the same thing. You hungry? You hungry for me? For my word? For my plan? For my life? The life that I have for you? The purposes that I have for you? And think about this. I mean, God is, you love him and you're called by him, which means you're following. He's walking a certain way. And you're going, okay, where are you going, God? You know, it's, it's sometimes he leaves it vague, so you just got to be on your knees and seek him. And I really believe, I look at this verse, and what he's really doing is like, thank you. Because you love me and because you're called, I will work everything out in your life for, for the good, for your life. Romans 8, 28 comes alive in that, that, that aspect because you're following him. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do it for you. 
and it's reserved for those people. Now, I want to say this. Maybe some of you here, there's a big crowd here. I have, to, I have to say, maybe some of you guys are right now are disqualifying yourself for this verse. You're, you're, you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure if I love God. Maybe you're checking out Jesus. You came to church you're like, I'm going to check this Jesus guy out. So maybe you like Jesus. Maybe you're not, not even sure. Maybe you're like, oh, and of course you're not called by him. Maybe, maybe you're like, maybe you've heard his voice like, eh, I'm not sure. Maybe this morning, right now, even with the words that I'm saying, Jesus is calling you right now. Maybe Jesus is saying, come to me. Check me out. Give me a shot. And what that really means is that, that you would become born again, a Christian, a follower of Christ. And at the end of the service, I want to invite you if, you, if you, if you're unsure, if you qualify for Romans 8.28, let me tell you one thing. It's super easy. It's super easy. All you got to do is just say a little prayer, go, I believe in you, Jesus. Take a step of faith and go, I, yes. Just as my, my earthly father says, you hungry? And when I go, yeah, it's the same thing. Yes, Lord Jesus, I am hungry for you. And at the end of the service, at the end of my sermon, we're going to say a prayer, and I invite you to say that prayer with me. But know who this verse is for. It's for the people who love and are called according to his purpose. The second thing I want to tell you guys to use Romans 8.28 properly is to have the right perspective. You got to have the right view of this verse, and actually the right view of God and his plan. Um, last week, I want to just, come on, Pastor Carl's back. He preached last week. Come on. Yeah. Did a great job. He said one irritating thing, though. <laughs> he said that God, sometimes we want to give God our plans and have God to do the things in our timing. Remember he said that? I'm like, yeah, I do that. And sometimes we want to give him the Ikea plans to the furniture. Here you go. It's like, okay, no, I don't do it that way. <laughs> because God is going to do it with his perspective and in his way and in his timing. Why? He's God. <laughs> Can I just put it any simpler than that? He is God. And we have to have that right perspective. Actually, if you back up from Romans 8, 28 a little bit, go to verse 23. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans. He's building up to Romans 8, 28. Remember what I said the other week? I said, you know what? Anytime you read a verse, you have to put it into context. You have to put it into the, what chapter, who wrote it. You have to put it, you can't just bloop, bloop, and just make up your own mind of what it means. You have to put it into context. And if you put it into context, well, this is what Paul says. Right before he reads, uh, writes 28, in verse 23, and we believe, we believers also groan. Okay, what are they groaning about? Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he, had pro he has promised us. Woo! Awesome, huh? We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. What is he talking about here? What's the future glory he's talking about? Heaven. 
I mean, that's, that's way off in the distance, heaven. When we get your new body. I mean, I don't think anyone here has got their new body yet. No, no, it's like, no. It's, it's when we get to see Jesus face to face. Are you hearing me? In the future glory. That's, that's the hope. Whatever we're going through in this life, because this life, there is suffering. Jesus didn't pr promise us a cushy life. We're in this life. And when we finally get to go to heaven, it's going to be amazing. Here's the one thing I know. When I get to heaven, I have a perceived perception of what heaven is. I'm going to go to heaven and go, oh, I was wrong. Because heaven's going to blow your mind away and blow my mind away, isn't it? It's going to be way greater. And that's the hope that I have. Actually, I have a groaning in my heart right now. You know what I'm groaning about? I'm sorry, I don't want to cause controversy, but I'm, I'm groaning about the new target. I just split the audience right now. Let me tell you, Target is coming because I live uh, right behind the old Don Quixote. I look at the old Don Quixote outside my window. And you know what I hear at 8 o'clock in the morning right now? For the last couple weeks, I hear this. I hear just destruction. I hear chickens running for their lives. I hear, I hear chainsaws going, and my kids are up, and so they're running. Oh, they're running to me for. I have to carry both of my kids while this whole chaos, hell is breaking loose at my house. But you know what? I can handle that. You know why? Because I've been online. I've seen the renderings of the future glory of Target. I see how nice it's going to go look. It's, it's going to be nice. Yeah, I know it's going to cause traffic. That's why I'm probably going to move out of Kylo soon. That's OK. Target is coming. And it's going to look beautiful. It's not going to look like this empty lot like it did for the last two years. It's going to look beautiful. Are we looking forward to the future glory that we have? And that can we handle the life that we have now? Whatever we're going through. Can we handle life now? Because we have a hope that we're waiting patiently and confidently for. We have to have the right perspective. I mean, let's even go back to the Bible here. Let's go way back. Let's go back to Genesis. You know the prime example of this? Abraham. Abraham was promised something. He was promised that he would become the father of a nation. Did Abraham see that promise fulfilled in his lifetime? No, he didn't. He died. He died before he could see any of it. And actually in Hebrews 13, actually Hebrews 11, verse 13, it says this. It's talking about Abraham. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. And get this. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. In other words, they agreed of the future glory that they're going to receive in heaven. That they're foreigners. And when they finally go home, that's their real home. We are, we are citizens of heaven, aren't we? Let's, let's act like it. And then when we read Romans 8.28, that's what it, we're looking at this. And so a lot of us, our, our, our perspective is on this verse is that God is going to work everything out and that we're going we're gonna to receive that aha moment. You know what I'm talking about? Is when you finally, finally realize what God was doing. It's like, you know, you're going through a trial and a tribulation and then he works it out and you're just like, aha. Uh -huh. And you know what? I've, I've, re I've, I've experienced that many times. I've, I've seen God work in the short term. I've seen that. I've said a prayer. 
for someone to get healed, and they get healed. I go, aha. Or a problem will work out and God will work it out. And, wow, the aha moment happens. But I, can I just tell you something? It doesn't happen in the short time all the time, short term all the time. You might be waiting for a long time, years, before you get the aha moment. Can I even say this? That you might not even experience it in this lifetime. That when you get to go to heaven, and when you see what's going on, you go, aha, I get it now. There's going to be times when you're, you're, you're only going to experience it when you reach the future glory. One of the examples that I have in my own life is actually my grandfather. I never met my grandfather. He actually had died. He had a, an accident right before I was born. And so I never met him. There are two things that I knew about my grandfather, though. He was a Christian, praise the Lord, which is something he passed down to my parents and to me, that he loved Jesus. I love that. He was a Christian. The other thing is he built the house that I, I lived in. It was a pretty huge house in Kaneohe. You can still see that we don't live there now. Uh, but my house was just an incredible house. And my grandfather built it. He didn't pass those skills down to me. I, I don't know how to do that. My brother can. But the most amazing thing about my house was, if you've ever been there, um, you walk into the door, the front door, and you would see the stairs, which ran through the middle of the house, the stairs to the, the second floor. On one half of the house was the kitchen. The whole half of the house was the kitchen. I mean, the kitchen that I grew up in is three or four times bigger than any regular kitchen I've seen. There's two sinks, there's two stove tops. It was big. It was a huge. On the other half of the stairs, you know what it was? A living room. Like a big, huge living room. Come on, who's been to my house before? Come on, right? I mean, my grandfather built a parte house. <laughs> a house for partes. And seriously, it was, it was a place that, I mean, the parking was good because it was like there's tons of parking. And when I grew up, I mean, my, I grew up, there's, I mean, parties, family gatherings. When I, when I started coming to Hope Chapel, you know what we started doing? Mini church. And everyone started going to me. We had, mini, we had two or three mini churches a week at my house. Why? Because everyone had them have a mini church at the Lendeza household. We had a joke because my dad was a good cook that we had the eternal rice pot. It was empty. You just close it and open it up and there's rice again. <laughs> I mean, it was, we just, it was just a hospitality. People, people would come over with parties and with mini churches. Kids got saved in our house. We had like 60, 70 kids in a high school group just beaming in our house. It was just, bam, that house was just perfect. And I would like to think, I would like to think my grandfather is in heaven and he's looking down at his house that he created for that purpose. And that he, he, the promise was fulfilled in his life. That he didn't receive because he, he left this, this life early. He didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't cruise with me. He didn't experience it with his own family. But he looked down like, wow, thank you. Thank you for fulfilling the promise I had for this, this house. I can't wait to meet my grandfather and have like, good job, good builder. Good job. And that's what we're, we're looking forward to. The last thing I want to tell you guys is that we look for the result, the right result. You have to look for the right result. The problem with this verse is we look for the wrong result, right? We think, okay, God's going to work everything out. That's what he says. That's what he promised. 
But the result we're looking for, come on, you guys seen the commercial? Anybody seen the Corona commercial? You guys are a bunch of liars. You guys all, I'm a Christian, I don't, I don't do that. The Corona commercial, right? They're on the beach. They're in their little lawn chair. The sun is shining. They got an ice bucket. They're like, clink. A lot of us are looking for that Corona moment. God, you're going to work everything out. And then boom, we're going to be boop, by the seaside and enjoying life and being happy. We're looking for happiness and comfort. And I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to be happy. I mean, he promised us peace and joy, didn't he? Didn't he? But he promised that in the, in, in, in the circumstance, you're going to have peace and joy. But if you actually read on, if you actually put it into context, here's the result that God's looking for. Let's look at the verse that follows verse 28. Romans 8, 29 says this. He says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, get this, he gave them his glory. I don't know about you guys, but I want that rather than the corona moment. I want God's glory. How many guys want that? Come on. And I love this because he's saying, you know what? He's called you. He's giving you right standing. And when he, because he's giving you right standing, he's giving you his glory. And, and what does that mean? I think that's a, it's a like, whoa, what does that mean? The glory of the Lord. Well, we're talked, we talked about the future glory that we're awaiting, right? And I think, I think that's why we need new bodies when we go to heaven. Because we can't handle his glory. Because we can't fathom what that really means. God's glory. So he has to give us new, new bodies. Like, here's you go. Boom, boom. You can handle now. But what does that mean here on earth when God gives you his glory? I, and I, I look at this verse. And what does he say in verse 29? He chose them to become what? Like his son. Yeah, I think God wants to give us peace and joy and happiness. But more than that, you know what the result that God wants? He wants us to be more like him. He wants us to be just like Jesus Christ. Amen? And more like him. And we're not there yet. We're not perfect. But he wants us in little increments to be more and more like him. And so when we walk this life and we love him and we're called by him, he's going to work everything together. For what result? That we look more like Jesus Christ. Um, I have enjoyed the time of my interim lead pastor, but I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> Let's be honest here. I'm like, thank you, Pastor Carl, for coming back. Seriously, I mean, the, the highlight of my interim um, as lead pastor was church. Coming to church, preaching you guys, and hopefully you listen like you guys are now. Good, awesome. And you would come and encourage me. I love coming to church. Don't you guys love me coming to church? Just enjoying the fellowship. Some of the hard stuff of the job was in the midweek, just going through meetings and, and hard decisions. I had to make decisions. Like, it was all on me. It's like, it's up to you, Tom. Ha, 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 what? No, no, yes, ah, you know? And it was, it was like, wow. And you know what? I have such a great respect for Pastor Carl and all the lead pastors and the senior pastors throughout this island. Pray for them. They have, they have a great responsibility. 
And, and here's the thing. I'm not going to look back and go, oh, that was a tough time. It was. I, looked, I look at it as a blessed time. Yeah, I didn't have the corona moment. I wasn't going, ding, ding, whatever it was. You know what I had? I had times when I was stretched. I had times when I was challenged. I had times when I, God had to rip things out of my hands going, okay, I'll let go of that, okay. I had to. It forced me to be on my knees, face down. And, God, Jesus, Lord, I need you. And God equipped me. God gave me stuff that I didn't have before. And on the other side of it, here's what I think. I look more like Jesus now. I really do. I, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just like, yeah. The new and improved Tom. <laughs> and why? Because he had to put me through something that I didn't choose to do. I was like, eh, okay. But God's all, dude, I'm going to work this out for your good. And I promise, I, I stand right now, I have the aha moment going, aha. And I know there's more to come. I know that we're not through it yet, but there's more to come. I'm, I'm loving it. And here's why I'm telling you this, because doesn't God have the same plan for you? Whatever you're going through, he's like, you know what? At the end of it, do you look more like me? Do you have more qualities that I had? Do you have the compassion that I have? The patience, the mercy, the grace, the fortitude to stand up for what you believe in? I think that's what he wants. And I think out of anybody who knew this verse well, is the person who wrote it, Paul. And Paul gave us a little inkling of his life. He actually was a little transparent in 2 Corinthians when he described this thorn in his side. He had this thorn in his side, something that bothered him. And he didn't say what it was, but it bothered him. And he asked God, God, can you just take this away? And this is what happened. Let's Go to 2 Corinthians 12. And here's Paul just going, pouring his heart out in verse 8. This is the message version. Apostle Paul says, three times I did that. Three times I asked the Lord, take it away. And he didn't do it. And then the Lord, and he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Isn't that great that the Lord Jesus said that to him? My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. That in itself is a verse you can't live without right there. We sing about it. And here's Paul's reaction. Here's Paul's response to what Jesus told him. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, incidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Wow, that's a great verse. That's a great attitude. Paul knew what he was writing when he said, God will work everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He knew what he was writing because he was going through this. And he knew that, you know what? Jesus' grace is enough. Jesus' grace, Jesus is all I need. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm glad to let this happen, whatever it is. I'm glad to have this thorn on my side. Why? Because I'm gonna look more like Jesus Christ. 
And I'm just saying, you know what? I'm going to let him take over. And I, I, I would encourage you, challenge you to have the same attitude. I'm glad to let it happen. Why? So I'm going to look more like Christ at the end of it. That's the result. I'm looking to a future glory. I hope you guys understand Romans 8.28 because it's way bigger than we even used it for or even knew about it. I hope you guys are more equipped with that. But with that, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every heart here. I'm looking at around the crowd, and I just, I know that's your plan for every single one of us. I know there's different plans. I know there's different giftings. I know there's different talents. But all I know is that you want us, every single one of us, to look more like you in little increments or in big increments or whatever it is on a daily basis. We're just seeking you and following you. We're loving you and we're being called and we're saying yes to you. And at the end of it, we're just, wow. We're receiving your glory in that way until we finally have to get to see you face to face. I thank you for that. See the plans and the, the great things that you have for every single one of us here. Lord, I just pray that we would. I pray that every single one of us would just day by day, week by week, year by year, just look more like you.